Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 170 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 4, and coming up we have Silent Hill Homecoming, then it's Speedball and Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe, following that Cameo Elements of Power, then it's Max Payne 3, and after that we return to the Silent Hill series uh, for our penultimate of that uh, however many issues it is, eight or something, uh, with Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Head to canerince.com for the schedule up to at least currently issue 180. Uh, the blog as well, of course. Um, we have uh, an, some new contributions from uh, an, uh, Aaron Green to read and our usual videos. We have the links to our merchandise store where you can buy Cane and Rinse t-shirts and things. Uh, we have a Facebook page and, as I say, that YouTube channel. Uh, also, a reminder to listen to our new podcast now up to 11 or 12 uh, which is Sound of Play and that's all about video game music it's uh, it's an hour of about nine tracks of uh, gaming audio delight please review, uh, rate and most importantly subscribe to both podcasts on iTunes uh, we haven't had any written reviews for a while that I've seen so um, if you haven't done that and you like what we do head over to iTunes and uh, give us a few words if not just a, just a star rating would do Thank you. Now joining me, Leon Cox, on this appropriately blusterous day on the coast of, uh, well, not Grand Sis, Brighton. In this issue, we have Jay Taylor. Howdy. We have, from Twin Humanity, CJ Black. It's weak to fire! <laughs> and from Midnight Resistance, Sean Bell. What a large tree. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the things? Yeah, it is. Like, is it? Yeah, they always say, what a large tree. I see, I was hoping if I wasn't last in the list, I'd go with that, and then whoever was <laughs> after me could then, when you when you then approach the tree, another pawn will say, it is even larger up close. No know, way. Which, 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 I mean, obviously... <laughs> Because that's, that's how Father things Doodle. work. It's the, the sort of Father Ted scenario. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll definitely get into the pawns. Um, love them. <laughs> God love them uh, later on. Oh, God doesn't love them. God's kind of, you know, blasé about them. And that's kind of the point. Uh, I suppose yeah. that's a spoiler warning uh, right there. <laughs> um, yes, we, we will spoil uh, the plot of Dragon's Dogma. And there, there are things to spoil in this game, even though uh, on the surface it seems like a very straightforward thing. Uh, there are elements to this game that um, I managed to avoid being spoiled until I played it for the finally properly through this week. And uh, and yes, it's good surprises indeed. So um, let's start with our histories with the game. When we played it, uh, was it back in uh, May 2012 when it was released? Have we been back to it? What format did we play? Let's start with CJ. Um, yeah, my, well, my, my first impressions of the game uh, honestly weren't that good uh, when they when the initial trailer was released, I was like, oh, Capcom have realised Skyrim's popular. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I just really wasn't that fussed with it at all until um, I saw a, a number of vids put up by then fledgling Xbox UK writer Matt Lees. And uh, the vids were amazingly presented. They were really chatty and jokey in nature. But they gave loads of detail as to sort of how uh, the, thing, the aspects that could be done in, done in the game, of the world, of the creatures... And flat out, it looked fun. Um, and I, I kept my eyes peeled for, um, for more vids coming out. I, I saw a Cyclops taking down. I saw how scary nighttime was. Um, and I just got the impression of a world that I really wanted to adventure in. Um, and it got to the point where in the run-up to, to, to the release, I got the demo on 
the Xbox 360 and the PS3, and I was flicking back and forth between the two, Confusing. sort of seeing seeing where my money was going to go and stuff. But yeah, I was I was day one on that, uh, and I was out of work at the time and traded in a ton of stuff to uh, to get it. Mm. Um, but on the on the day of release, I got it and then went into some sort of job club thing. And I was hearing this this guy sort of chuck stuff at me, and it was in one ear and out the other, as my entire being was focused on this little square that was hidden away in my oh, back, yes. as I was desperate <laughs> to run home and play it. But, oh, uh, yes. but yeah, I was I was I was day one. Nothing quite like that feeling. Uh, and so presumably, you, uh, given that you were on limited uh, budget at that point, you you played this to the uh, to the exclusion of almost anything else, did you? Until you mastered it, completed it, and I I it wasn't even a conscious thing. Um, in the oh I'll, I'll, I'm just going to focus on this. I was absolutely obsessed by it. I was. I think the game is designed within an inch of its life. Um, the world is memorable. There's so much character and nuance and quirk to it. Um, it's got an, an incredible sense of humor, and that the the game can can be so scary but also so funny at the same time. I think it's with the full paint box available. It um, it throws you off guard as to which it's going to introduce mm. at any given point and i love any game that's got the confidence and the sincerity to not only do that but pull it off okay sean um yeah um so i followed it for a long time while it was yeah like you know as soon as the first trailer was out um i was really keen on it um just because properly intrigued by the whole like all the you know the larger enemies and the way the trailers showed like climbing around on them and stuff looked really fun like oh yeah so i was initially really disappointed when they announced um, that there was going to be no cooperative play in it because we like you could see in the first trailer it was like look here's loads of people adventuring together and you just kind of, everyone just kind of assumed yeah. um i think now understanding like you know the pawn system and how that's sort of thematically tied into the whole thing like i'm fine with that um though co-op play would have been nice i guess but um yeah playing the demo um for the first time and just the the fight with the griffin um, oh. was yeah it was incredible like you know grabbing onto it and flying around and stuff and setting it on fire and um yeah so I, I was properly excited and then yeah day one straight in um did two and a half playthroughs um right. pretty much back to back um started out um as you, you know as, as you've alluded to it started out very much like this is a fun action rpg um which I was really enjoying, but then ended up really loving it for mm. entirely different reasons, which I imagine we'll get onto in a bit. Yeah. And uh, Jay, PS Plus, by any chance? <laughs> yeah, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's a strange one, because like, I had no interest in... I, I had no real interest in this game at all. Um, didn't see any trailers, had so little knowledge about it, and it wasn't until... 2013 when you gave me a copy of dark souls oh yeah and i started getting really into that after you know ignoring everybody blathering on about it for the previous 18 months or whatever they're still going by the way i know know. (laughs) and they was getting into this game and then you i was around at yours again and it was like oh you you'd probably like dragon's dogma Mm, mm. and it was like yeah but I'm, i'm into this i'm not you know well we'll see maybe one day and then they gave it away on PS Plus. Mm. And <laughs> yeah, and then there was 200 hours of my life gone. <laughs> so yeah. <it's> just... <laughs> yeah, I've benefited from this um, because uh, I bought this quite when it was quite new on 360 originally, played about 10 hours, uh, loved it. Um, and I remember hearing particularly Sean talking about it on mm-hmm. uh, Midnight Resistance, talking about, and probably Joypod as well, talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
these interesting things that were going to happen later on. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was I was instantly um, in love with the game world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, the game got put aside. Probably Kane and Rince commitments, um, other games coming out, the usual thing. It was it wasn't it wasn't the game. It was me, um, the usual story. Um, I picked it up again on on again on 360 when Dark Arisen came out again with the full intention of um, going through it and uh, and actually playing it. But once again, things got in the way. Uh, then I heard it was coming to PS Plus, uh, so downloaded and installed it. Um, but I saved it this time thinking, right, we're going to do a cane and rinse on it. So I'll play it when that show is coming up. And I indeed, when most people took the week off last week to play Bloodborne at the time of recording, that's just come out. Uh, I took the week off to play the three-year-old um, Dragon's Dogma and um, managed to get, um, I didn't, you know, I certainly haven't put the hours in that probably uh, you uh, three have, but I've ended up playing it for, uh, on this playthrough, about 42 hours. And that was enough to see the the proper ending um, but it wasn't. I was going to say I, I was really anxious because you yeah. you tweeted the other day like oh credits rolled on Dragon's Dogma. I was like no no don't, don't stop. <laughs> yeah yeah no I, man, I, I man kind that's of, that's I been the guessed. that's been the, the real knuckle chewer for anybody um, that you'd you'd recommend this to of not talking about sort of yeah that. And yeah, just, yeah. hopefully not jumping too far ahead here, but like mm. there are several points where people think they're done. Oh, okay. um, and have and have come away from the game and been right. like, yeah, I thought the ending was a bit weird, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there, uh, yes. I mean, there are there are definitely there's definitely a bit right at the 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 proper end where you could where I I actually looked up what I needed to do to see the end uh, okay. end 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 because I yeah. could I didn't. You know, I didn't. I was running out of time, and I couldn't work it out for myself. Mm-hmm. I had, a, I had an inkling, but mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't stop after the first credit roll because I could just tell from the way everyone was talking about it that that wasn't it. Um, it's kind of, it's sort of a similar situation to actually. I won't say what other games it's like because that will spoil those. Um, <laughs> but yes, so anyway, I've played it through to the proper end, but I certainly haven't done every quest, and I certainly haven't tackled bitter black isle in any meaningful way mm-hmm. but um but probably i've probably played a total of about 60 hours over the three versions and uh, and i have seen the end so i'm qualified um so as you say there's a capcom game and this is an unusual game in that it, as it stands right now it is genuinely a uh, a one generation console exclusive 360 and ps3 there is no pc version um and i think this is a game that would have benefited from a you know, from a, a PC presentation, or indeed, as much as you know, their name is Mud. Currently, from the impression I get from other people, um, I'm not one of them uh, who decries every every HD remaster. Not, not at all. I, I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. This is a game that I I would love to see a PS4 and Xbox One version of because I mm-hmm. think it would actually benefit from the re the re exposure and the technical upgrade that it could get. So I think the most interesting uh, aspect of the development team um, for me is the director, and this is Hideaki Itsuno. He is a mm-hmm. name that mm-hmm. uh, I do not remember off the tip, or, or, you know, off the top of my head, off the tip of my tongue, and yet I feel he ought to be looking at his back catalogue, one of those names uh, in development. He's made, he's been involved in a whole bunch of my favourite video games, including, I mean, he started on Quiz and Dragons, which is not one of my favourite video games, but it's uh, it's a it's a <laughs> typically quirky um 
coin-op arcade video quiz uh, machine with RPG elements. It, yeah, that came to the PSP on one of those uh, two Capcom compilations they did. But he worked on Street Fighter Alpha or Street Fighter Zero. He worked on Star Gladi- Gladiator, Rival Schools, and its sequel project, Justice Power Stone, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Capcom versus SNK, both of those, which are just classic fighting games. And probably he's best known for Devil May Cry two and onwards now i think being remembered for devil may cry 2 is not necessarily uh something you want but he was still the director for devil may cry 3 dante's awakening uh and by all accounts you know he did a pretty good job of that so yeah pretty amazing um cv for itsuno san i yeah, would say although it does seem to abruptly end after dragon's dogma yes yeah, worrying that isn't it a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what's next for, for the series uh, later, and maybe mm-hmm. he's involved in mm. in something. Yeah. Um, so the main programmer is credited as uh, Yoshiharu Nakao, who worked previously on games like Mega Man 64, uh, but also probably more appropriately Breath of Fire 3, which, uh, which I remember playing quite a few hours of on PlayStation, the original PlayStation. It was one of those games from the era that uh, it was obviously a sequel to SNES uh, RPGs. Um, but it was a game that even on PS1 kind of maintained its 16-bit graphical style. It wasn't it wasn't sort of heavily, um, you know, CDified and polygonified. Um, and the writers uh, worked on. Uh, there's uh, Bingo Morihashi who worked on both Devil May Cry three and four, but also has credits on Blaze Blue, Calamity Trigger, and Bayonetta two. Um, actually, he might be uncredited on Bayonetta two, but apparently he did work with uh, with the with the producer there. Um, and also Haruo Murata, who worked on uh, a, a number of Capcom classics, including Street Fighter Zero, Street Fighter Three, Capcom vs. SNK, and Resident Evil's Four and Five. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the music and its uh, composers later. But first, I, the first thing I want to talk about is the thing that absolutely uh, sold me on this game straight away, which is the being in the world. The the the, the scenario, such as it is starts off in as i say it's fairly traditional fare uh, mm-hmm. you know there's a big dragon that threatens the earth in this case this is kind of um kind of the old style um view of a dragon as a demonic entity that is actually um you know portentous of the end times this is not your how to train your dragon toothless kind of dragon this is this is proper smaug and and then some um he arrives, uh, plucks out uh, your heart as you challenge him, and uh, and you you fight, which is odd, but you fight to get it back. But for me, it was that I fell in love with the game world as soon as it put me in control. Pretty much as soon as I walked out of that first room, room in in the village by the sea, there's something about that game world, um, the way it's the lighting, the way it's drawn. I think the game audio as well, the the the, the ambient sound effects. Mm. Um, I just found it utterly believable, even though, you know, by today's standards, the polygon count isn't the highest. There's pop in, there's, um, you know, juddering frames and things. It just didn't matter because the artistry that went into it is just so mesmerizing. Yeah, the for some reason, the way the world reacts to the wind yeah. um, is really convincing. Like you say, despite a lot of the other sort of visual flaws of it. Um, like yeah, when the wind picks up and all the trees and the grass are all blown in unison, and um, for some reason that that still looks really nice. Um, uh, I I actually found a lot of the world gets a bit samey after a while. Yeah, it's um, set in like one it, region the, rather than it's not like it doesn't yeah. try to have you know um, 
snow area and lava area and and mm-hmm. for, uh, forest area it all kind of blends into its sort of northern european influenced yeah. um organic landscapes yeah and the the color palette i mean i it must be by design but it's quite muted and yeah. it's like not very saturated at all um but uh i think that's why i, I love know. it so much because it yeah. doesn't have that slightly surreal feel as much i can enjoy absolutely enjoy games that have this kind of you know avatar like kind of glowing you know sort of mm. sensibility or something that's really ornate and slightly fantastical like bloodborne or something but mm. i love the fact that that you know i've always ever ever since i was a kid when going for walks on the on the sussex downs and things like that and and in wales and cornwall mm-hmm. i was always in my head i was adventuring you know I was being a being a being a little nerd adventurer, probably probably on another planet more than a more than a, a, f- a fighting fantasy character. Yeah. But but it was it's that feeling of being out in the elements and and something and and for me that like the Elder Scrolls go, games capture it to a point, but not like Dragon's Dogma does. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I was actually uh, thinking about Dragon's Dogma again when I was playing the uh, the Final Fantasy fifteen demo because mm, right. that has a similar like the. Yeah, the the you know the landscapes and that have a similar look to them. And again, it's that sort of muted color palette, but it is more reminiscent of actually going for walks in real life. Like you yeah. say, it's um, like but with the occasional fantastical element, obviously, and it kind of having sort of like that, you know, for want of a better word, boring look to it or mundane, perhaps is the word I'm after. Um, that then gives the supernatural element something to kick against, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a kind. Of, there's a slightly. I mean, it doesn't have the same vibe, but there's there is a, there is an air of the Majora's Mask about it in that sense that the mm-hmm. impending doom and and people kind of going about their little lives. Um, like I wouldn't say that the the behaviour of the villagers and stuff like that is um, is is wildly convincing. You know, there's there's no. <laughs> there's a lot of video gaminess about about it and. Um, uh, and like the the actual character models aren't aren't particularly strong, but again, for me, it just keeps coming back to the feeling of being in a real organic world that is somewhere mm. that's recognisable to me, and somehow that sells me on the experience. I think it's a very very sensory game. In mm. fact, that um, it's it, it will push you into directions rather than spelling things out. It will push you into directions to make you feel and react as you would as a as a normal person. I early on you'll um you go down into Dana Well and suddenly um you know you you've been you've been taught from the opening prologue to uh, to put your lantern on and, and the such like and you encounter sort of lizard enemies but the point you get into the water and you not only soak uh, you not only move slowly but yeah. your lantern goes out mm. and you're <laughs> yeah. you're you're ready to that panic one of your pawns will will go cut off their tails but it's actually getting to their tails that's that's the issue mm-hmm. you can't see a thing mm. uh your pawns are uh perhaps dying at this point and there's a real sense of panic but you're experiencing that on the fly and how you react and how you move on from that that those are very human qualities in the real world and if you're uh Whichever game world you're setting up, take this as imaginatively as you take the game as imaginatively easily as you possibly can. But if I'm then applying a uh, human resonance to that, I love that to pieces. You've got me all day long. Talking about the uh, the, the whole panic thing, like there is a, an element of horror to it, I think mm. as well. Mm. Um, like some of the locations are just really grim. <laughs> like I I don't know. Like I I don't so much get that that feeling of like the world being doomed like you might do in you know dark souls or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah there are definitely like like some of the um the dungeons and stuff 
are like oppressive and just yeah 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 yeah, yeah totally is that um, it's, again sort of tying into uh to what Liam mentioned about uh i don't know feeling quite childlike with running around cornwall and stuff and uh mm-hmm. there is a feeling when you uh when you go underground almost like uh you're a kid and you've gone into like an abandoned building or a, or a building yeah, site yeah, and totally. stuff sort of as was and it's yeah. like you know am i going to get hurt am i going to be able to get out but there's this this sense of the, the the level of scared is balanced by a degree of excited and i think that's a quality yeah. we kind of lose a little bit as an adult and to to to, to pull it back down to that is a wonderful feeling mm, like it's a game that it doesn't um it doesn't shy away from being too difficult at times you know often when you mm. enter a dungeon it, like the loading screen will say like if you're finding this too difficult maybe just back out yeah <laughs> no shame and, in running away it says pretty much that's right yeah, yeah yeah and there is that sense of like you know increasingly modern games are like if if there's something that seems insurmountable you'll just be given a tool to deal with it mm. um whereas on the where in this you know that tool is just your move set and your skill as a player and like to an extent obviously your character's abilities as well um but yeah, like, but yeah, but yeah, there are times where you just have to accept that maybe you're just not good enough, and you're not just going to be handed an advantage out of nowhere. And um, yeah, and then that that sort of that, feeling well, that was like, God, sorry, that was one of the things that kind of really hooked me into the game. Was mm-hmm. up until this point, I'd kind of, and to some extent, I still have it, which is this feeling that Capcom similar to Sega, have a great deal of difficulty in understanding a Western audience and thinking mm-hmm. that they've got to mould their games to fit our tastes. So like Resident Evil became like a cover-based shooter kind yeah. of thing. And, <laughs> and yet here, along came sort of like Dark Souls that kind of did its own thing and, and was all the better for it. Mm. And I think with, with, with this game has that vibe to it in the sense that you know, they just kind of made this thing and, and see how it, and, and we, we bought into it, you know, and uh, yeah, I was really, really into like the way that, like you say, some of the fights, horrendously hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the first time you say, like the, the, like the creature, uh, speaking of the characters, like, yes, going back to say they, they came across as video gamey, they do, but there's one thing that really stood out to me about this game in that some of the character animation is incredibly mm. detailed. Yeah. Like particularly goblins, when you take you, you take out a little group of goblins, he gets to the last guy, and the last guy kind of staggers backwards and falls down and tries to scuttle away, and it's just <laughs> all the little touches like that. Yeah. And the, the, the creatures uh, that you come across, they're incredibly well animated. Oh, yeah, I love I love the enemies. Yeah. The way that light reacts as well is, is fantastic. Fantastic. I still mm. re- remember the the first point where I saw a dragon moving through a forest, and the way that the sun was shining through the through the leaves and casting yeah. shadows, and, mm-hmm. and the way that played across this huge creature, and indeed, sort of like nope, 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 <laughs> just like yeah. running running in the opposite direction, just thinking like I'm not going to have a a cat and elf. Moments that. like that, you can see why they had to resort to letterboxing the uh, the, vis- mm. the visuals for the you know that generation of consoles because mm-hmm. the, you know there are these ridiculous set pieces where you've got your party of four, you your 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 pawn and two recruited pawns all clinging to different parts of a, a of a behemoth of a beast, and <laughs> you've got hordes of skeletons around you or whatever coming in as well. It's quite it's quite astonishing, especially when you know the the, the combat and we'll get onto it is is you know kind of all 
uh, you know, real time and and mm. uh, and full action. There's no kind of there's no kind of turn based element to this. This is all going off um, and in emergent. And there's kind of um, you know physics and stuff going uh, and going on. It's mm. uh, it's impressive. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll balance that out with with kind of um, you know the the goblins even in the midst of battle when they're like. <laughs> <laughs> or when you, the, one of my favourite things still is picking a bunny up and throwing it off a cliff, and the bunny, the bunny just going like, ah! Whoa, <laughs> I didn't even it's know. I, fantastically funny. I didn't even know you could. Uh, do also, that. pigs don't like to be ridden like, like horses. They, yes, they that's all picked up. Right. <laughs> so I've now got a checklist of things I need to do on my third fight. Yeah. I think I've got I've got a, a picture still of my character just picking up like a boar, and it doesn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, one of the things uh, I loved again we're t- talking about. I've already waxed lyrical about the overground, but the underground. Again, it's something I enjoy in these sorts of games, whether it be a Souls game or an Elder Scrolls game, being in a dungeon, you know, and there's there's mm-hmm. um, glowing mushrooms and crystals and, and all that stuff. But again, um, and a lot of games make it a very appealing thing to do, but... Again, like the the dungeons in this, even though they're they're absolutely as kind of you know corridor based as as any other game with with larger areas, they feel legitimately organic. Like that, like mm. the the way that the furniture's laid out within them, combined mm. with the beautiful lamp lighting, mm. um, again makes it feel like a real solid place that you want to explore. And it's even just attention to detail. Like when you do, if you're carrying a pickaxe with you for mining, when you when you hammer it hammer at uh, some ore on a wall it's just again just the sound effect is perfect and the timing mm. of the animation when it goes you know when it sparks off the off the rock mm. stuff like that it's stuff that other games don't pay attention to so it'll just be a kind of a gen a generic mining animation where it will clip mm. through the wall and stuff like that yeah but the yeah. fact that the fact that your character is actually going chink 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 uh, uh, it just really <laughs> adds a solidity to the world Nice little nod and a wink to Monster Hunter as well, I think. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, another thing I think that, again, sells the world to me, as much as the day is beautiful, um, you know, there, there's there's one sore miss for me during the day, which is there's no weather as such, there's no rain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think rain would have been could have been stunning in this game. Um, yeah, because, I mean, the, the sky changes, doesn't it? It'll cloud over mm. some days, and yeah, mm. um, but, yeah, there's no actual rainfall. Yeah, uh, and again, I, 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 my, my hunch is it might be a frame rate issue because it can yeah. t- tend to absolutely knacker things that way. But mm. the it's one of the only games, again, that I think actually gets the way your eyes work in the night. So when mm-hmm. you if you're in the dark... Um, and you don't light your lanterns, you can see a certain amount of weight, but there's still a lot of, you know, when you're, because, you know, this is pre-industrial, there's no street lights or anything, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. very dark. Mm-hmm. If you put your lantern on, you've got an enormously bright area just around you, but you can see even less just a few feet in yeah. front of you. <laughs> and 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 this is the the game where they make night properly much harder. It's not like Hyrule Plain where you get skeletons instead of... Uh, something else this is like you're just you know you're constantly bumbling into hordes of the living dead mm-hmm. and again the art on the enemies is so good that you can practically smell the kind of tattered rags hanging off these zombies and um all that sort of thing the skeletal knights when when you hit them uh or skeletal warriors you know jason and the argonauts stuff but when you finish 
when you finish them with a with a spectacular blow, they their skeletons properly shatter and yeah. and <laughs> fly off asunder, and it's so much more satisfying. Even the sound effect there, which is almost like somebody somebody's dropped like a Glockenspiel or something, it's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Not just a, it's just not just the same noise, but it genuinely feels like the the bones are falling in different directions and mm-hmm. compared to to where you are. It yeah. sort of reminds me of the uh, the the stuff with uh, kind of living dead type elements. Reminds me actually of um, even though I don't think there's any more DNA than Capcom, but it reminds me of the the kind of fun horror of Ghouls and Ghosts and Ghosts and Goblins, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, I think I think most people who've played through Dragon's Dogma have got like at least one story of getting trapped outside at night. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Um, like so, you, yeah. pretty much everyone. I think the game specifically tells you to avoid it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's like every time you're going to do a big quest, like you, you, you know, you get up in the morning and yes. like you don't, you don't just set out whenever you feel like it, like you rest first, then you get out first thing in the morning. Um, but yeah, but sometimes if you just take a bit too long, the sun, the sun starts setting and it's ash. Oh, yeah. I think the genius I nearly swore, of it, I forgot there's no, no swearing on Kane and Rince. No. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Shut your dirty hole. Yeah, I, I think it's another genius touch is the actual the length of the day night cycle compared yeah. to other games and compared to the amount of land that you're ever going to have to cover in one go. Yeah, it's all really nicely paced, isn't it? Like it is only like if you start dilly dallying that you will get caught out at night. Like yeah. generally, if you just stay focused on what you're supposed to be doing, you'll you'll always be fine. Yeah, I think um, the, the the game messes with that a little bit. Um, okay, at a certain point where. Well, for me, at least the the um, the quest for the Griffin, where mm-hmm. I thought, right, I'll, ah, I'll, yes. I'll set out, I'll set out at night, so I'll arrive there in the day. Oh, but nice. it was it was the actual place that you were going to was in the distance, but you didn't realise that you had to curve round to yeah. a huge degree of that. Mm-hmm. So I when I arrived, it was turning to darkness, and I got this huge question mark as to what was going to happen from there and that sensibility of kind of having the knot in my stomach i'm like have i just taken too long with this or what am i going to do um and, yeah like as far as i'm aware everyone experiences that fight at night time yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah no matter what uh, i think yeah so, yeah, yeah yeah i think you're right first time i i encountered the day night thing and how how radically different it is I was in the catacombs. Mm. I'd gone in there during the mm. day, oh, gone brilliant. through it, come out, and everything's dark. And I'm like, oh, crap. Awesome. And yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you have to make your way back to the castle, like, mm. inching forward all the time. It's, yeah. it's an incredible experience, though. It isn't like, um, like, I was expecting to just die, and it would just be horrible. But, like, you can survive it. It's oh, yeah. just really mm. difficult. And, it, and it's really fun as a result. It's like, you know. Um, like yeah, just battling your way through the undead, like trying to get back to Grand Soren or whatever. It's it's really exciting. One journey, I had three chimeras in a row. Oh my god! Uh, and because I was, and we're we're coming on to the whole porn thing. Because I was uh, backed up by uh, Jay's porn and my other friend Jim's porn um, mm. on this occasion. I had previously played with yours, Sean, on the 360 um, mm-hmm. in and um, <laughs> <laughs> I still want to have a word with you about that. But, um, uh, but yes, yeah, so, so I'm using like level 100 and something pawns, which which means that these things were not insurmountable, which mm-hmm. was good because I was playing with a time limit, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe... Maybe there is something to be said for playing the game without stupidly overleveled pawns, but the game does do some some balancing. But we'll we'll come back to that. But yeah, three mm-hmm. three chi- uh, three chimera type things in a row. But I still have an issue with the game that decides that a cockatrice, which is basically a giant chicken, is somehow worse an enemy than one with a lion's head, <laughs> a snake's head, and a goat's head on it. 
yeah, no, the cockatrice is bad news, isn't yeah, it? Um, it really I, is, I yeah. never fought one outside of the you know the story. Uh, yeah, mission. there's I, a story I gather they one. Can, and, appear. can they? There's one in Everfall so. and one, or at least one in Everfall. I think you can uh, fight okay. multiple. Uh, there's uh, more than one in Bits of Black. <laughs> yeah, right. With them, with the with the night stuff, I, I liked it. That uh, I think John Denton said in his Dying Light uh, review recently that it's not just you realise that a lot of other games have differently coloured daylight. Well, here it like black is yeah. absolute black. Yes, yeah. and when the game then. Um, mixes it up a little later on, where you've got the uh, the magic arc. Archer has the uh, the weapon, magical flare, mm, and yes. you, you fire that into the trees, and it just ignites like the the entire <laughs> landscape and the, uh, the yes, sort of dichotomy yeah. of like, oh, I can see what's coming, uh, and also, oh my god, I can see what's coming, <laughs> yeah. um, and that was that was amazing. There's one of the enemies, and this is this is one of my favourite things about the darkness was uh, with the was with the zombies and we used to sort of zombies being shuffling or running or biting whatever but there was one female zombie that sort of shuffled up and sort of said has anyone seen my baby oh, oh my god yes yes absolutely a, chilled me to the core <laughs> yeah there's a few of those yeah um, i forget what the other ones are but yeah there's a there's a few sentences that some of them come out with it's just like oh god they remember um, I want to talk about the music for the game. Um, yes. Particularly the in-game music. We'll have a little conversation about the non-in-game music. Um, <laughs> the, uh, there's four composers worked on this game. There's Tadayoshi M- uh, Makino, who's worked on uh, a lot of the previous Monster Hunter games, but I don't believe mm-hmm. the most recent ones. Okay. Uh, Ray Kondo, um, one of the four composers on Akami, I think. Also Devil May Cry 4, Bayonetta, Bayonetta 2, and The Wonderful 101. Uh, Then you have Masayoshi Ishii, who uh, made one of the extra tracks for the Mega Drive version of OutRun. Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) Virtuous Striker 2, Sonic Rush, and controversially Yoshi's Island and Yoshi's New Island, as well as Mario Party 9. Uh, Interesting sort of uh, eclectic CV. And then there's something from Enon Zur, and I I don't know who did what tracks. It's the usual problem. Mm. Um, I really loved the music. Um, some of it's uh, full-blown old, oldie-worldie orchestral style, but there's some. Some of the battle music brings in rock guitars, yeah. um, and there's some, yeah, some really grand pieces for for later in the game as well. And yeah, yeah. and in tandem with some of the stunning CG sequences, of which there aren't loads, but when they arrive, huh. they're um, they're worth. We're waiting for. Mm. Um, yeah, some really spine-tingling stuff. I thought. Yeah. Okay, so Inon Zed did actually do uh, quite a bit. Um, he did the Chimera battle music, um, and as I'm just scanning down it now, and then I could just read the others out, but they'll be meaningless. Uh, Lore of the Abyss, um, Impenetrable Force, and, right. <laughs> and a few others. So yeah, no, he, he did actually do. So it's a spread between between these, um, yeah, three Japanese yeah. veterans and and one um, ubiquitous Western composer, which is interesting mm-hmm. because you can't really feel the joins. I wouldn't have said. No, absolutely no. not. Um, it's all pretty consistent i think the 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 main thing i love about the soundtrack in this um is how much of the main theme is woven into the rest of it yeah Mm -hmm. um like even just the sort of interstitial uh music um when you're just wandering around or some of the battle music uh the music when you're in the rift hiring pawns there's just little motifs from the main theme like all through it Uh, it's really smart and when you say the main theme, you're not mm. referring to mm. the, 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 the original. <laughs> so, there were, oh. right. So this is, this is a source of much division. Um, now, how do you pronounce it? it? There's so many ways. It could be BZ, it could be busy, it could be 
Bees. I think it's bees, isn't it? B apostrophe Z. Bees. I don't know. I think I've always referred to it as Bees Z, but I don't generally refer to the name of the band. Just absolute bonkers magnificence. Into Free is the is the licensed track by Japanese earnest Japanese rock duo. Uh, from the original release, uh, Jay, I don't. Have you ever actually heard this? Because you've only yeah, played. Yeah, I've, I've watched the YouTube yeah. videos. I, I put it up on Twitter again this morning with "Happy Dragon's Dogma Day" attached to it. So, <laughs> so this is one of those things. Now, on on multiple occasions, I have been called out for having no soul because I really can't stand this piece of music <laughs> at all. Like, I like. I mean, okay. They, I like, like the fact they went for something different. I do. Yeah. Um, but it's unlistenable for me, and uh, <laughs> and, and like the idea that you would not have a soul for not liking this is seems deeply <laughs> ironic to me because it's about <laughs> to me it feels like the most soulless music uh it, that the one could possibly compose however people are deeply passionate about about oh, this music it. i think it's just the the way it caught absolutely everyone off guard like yeah like it's not actually good obviously it's the pure shock of it for me mm. i mean it mm. also like um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Japanese lyrics translated into English. Like, I really like yes. the Armored Core soundtrack. Yeah, for some yeah, I, I, there um, is a charm to that, definitely. Like, it is like it's fun trying to figure out exactly what they're trying to. The wind convey. is pushing um, me is obviously the the famous yes. line, and there is literally a bit in the game where the wind pushes you, which yes. I, which is. But I don't know. <laughs> Did the song exist? It wasn't composed especially, was it? It was licensed for the game. I believe it already. Yeah, existed. yeah, it already existed. Yeah, yeah. which is weird because obviously the way um, the way the song starts. Like it could fit. Like it yeah. sounds like a perfect. Like I think that again, that that adds to the the surprise. Like when the you know the piano comes yeah, in, with the yeah. strings and stuff. You're like, oh yeah, it's a fantasy yeah. game. Of course, it sounds like this. And then there's, there's that <laughs> noise. <in> it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it was great. Sort of when it uh, when the game launched because people were like, there was a degree of kind of, why is this? Yeah. And, but, but again, the, the game just going just just having absolute confidence in uh, being able to throw whatever it wanted into the mix, and mm-hmm. even people that were sort of. Um, this is this is awful. Ended up kind of singing it under their breath or saying that they couldn't get it out of their head and ended up waving a flag for it as well just because you never hear this sort of thing in uh, in a fantasy game and it was just this wonderfully bonkers manoeuvre. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, absolutely no. I've got no problem with the people who love it. Um, it's just just not for me. And and I do understand when, when people are disappointed because the thing they replaced it with, which is a, another, li- I, I guess the licensing deal lasted for one release. And then what happened with Darkerism was that they couldn't, was it right? They, they actually couldn't make a way to do downloadable DLC for this game because it was never planned. So they had to re-release the entire game. As oh, a I budget see. Price. So it was never coded with DLC in mind. Yeah. Aside from the rubbish they really I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. But so then that, I mean Dark Horizon so, yeah. was released at a budget price anyway, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. it actually undercut um, yeah. a lot of like you know the, the prices people were selling the original for anyway but I assume so. the licensing agreement with Bees BZ yes. Buzzy was literally for one release and therefore they yeah. couldn't and, and they didn't feel it was worth relicensing so it's kind of been yeah. replaced this is weird there's a song called Coils of Light by J-pop star Rachel mm. Rachel um, but actually the version you hear on the title screen is not the version by her um, and, oh, right. and there's another version at the end of the game, which is another. It's another t- take on the song "Coils of Light," but it's a big grand orchestral kind of, mm-hmm. with, but also with rock guitars and stuff. So, oh. yeah. 
Um, so we should come on to um, create a character. Um, it's got a fairly, uh, even though you know, you, you uh, I would say the character models are. I suppose this this is similar to the Souls games in some ways, in that the character models aren't necessarily the best looking thing in the game, but they're, they're, it gives you a ridiculous amount of um, power and option to mould it mm. how you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say it's one of the best character creators that I've, I've seen. It's there's so so much variety that you can that you can use in there. It's <laughs> almost sort of uh, to a degree where it's like, did I like did I like set of eyes three or forty four? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and should I tilt them two degrees more <laughs> to the left? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it's symptomatic of a lot of uh, character creation stuff. You can get the most out of it, but it's going to take a bit of time to sit there and and play around with all the options and mm. uh, you know i spent about 45 minutes doing mine and, and <laughs> even now i'm still not happy and it's just you know but i've got the uh, the option to edit uh, before the menu now so that's oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 they did have the option that um the character that you created for the demo you could then uh, bring through to the full game nice. so mm-hmm. um that's one of those where you can you know tinker about the character to you, your heart's Look, content and then it's you, amazing that more games don't do that um, yeah, because yeah, that's agree. a proper easy way of getting people hooked with the demo, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, they did it with uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, didn't they? Where they just released the character creator. They did it with Saints, Saints Row. One of the Saints Row, yeah. Three and, um, and it's just a really cool way of basically giving mm. the player nothing investment, but, like, engagement, yeah, but, yeah. You, but that investment in it straight away. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I ended up. Um, I, I can't remember my previous. I think I've previously played as a Strider in my abortive attempts at playing the game. Uh, this time I went for a fighter because I mm-hmm. knew that. Uh, the pawns I was going to be using were of different classes so uh, uh-huh. I ended up um, you know just because I'm a politically correct sort of a person <laughs> I made a Gamergate baiting middle aged woman um, <laughs> who of, of stout build um, uh, to play as the Arisen I quite like the uh, the sort of idea because you know you see she's uh, your character is uh, almost entirely without words until one thing at the very end um, yeah. I quite like the fact that there was this contrast where she is the this sort of middle-aged lady not of athletic build was the mm-hmm. one person in the village who was brave enough to pick up the sword <laughs> to um you know to 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 fight the dragon and mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing uh, but yes yeah, so a fighter obviously um during the game you uh you earn the ability to unlock all sorts of combat moves and this is the game as we say where the combat is kind of uh, you know it's it feels very capcom-esque it feels you know it feels mm. like this game's been developed by somebody who used to work on fighting games because it's yeah. kinetic and crunchy and direct and satisfying and um every every impact is is sold uh, mm-hmm. in, in such a great way but um back to characters for a moment what what um what sort of characters have you chaps played and and what what did you enjoy about those uh, has anyone been has anyone like done a magic playthrough as a mage because i haven't done that um i played around with mine only because your it was to do with the armor stats and so mm-hmm. to get dragon i wanted dragon forged armor on my pawn yes but yeah. it doesn't work in that way you can't fight use them in a fight and they'll get dragon forward so i needed to swap classes so uh, i changed actually, i, I yeah. exported my vocation onto her and, and mm. vice versa put the outfit on me went in beat a dragon then got it dragon forged and put it back and would keep doing this every now and again just so i could keep upgrading her gear 
Yeah, makes sense. Mm. It worked out again. That worked out well for me because I noticed that both the pawns I had. So that that's uh, your pawn, Jay, who's mm. a um, sort of uh, a buffer and a healer. Um, had all this dragon forged armor, which is um, what what happens basically when you get hit by dragon fire. It's a nice little touch. Something else that again, I don't mm. think I've seen something quite like that in a game. And my other friend's pawn was a uh, was uh, more of a a bow a bowsmith type person, but also mm. with some with some magic buffs and stuff like that. I created a pawn called Optimus Prime, who was this massive uh, sort of seven-foot samurai with blue long hair who I got into uh, red armor as soon as possible. But I did notice that a lot of the the, uh, the main pawns in that regard were uh, those that had recognizable names uh, from, say, TV or oh, books okay. or movies and stuff. Mm, makes sense. So I was thinking, well, if I lean it towards that, will people go, oh, yeah, I'll have that in my game, and, you know, he'll, uh, the, the big boy will bring back the dollar, which he did. Well, this brings, this brings me to the question of the naming of pawns before we talk about the, how they sort of work. <laughs> Sean. Because, well, like, I really, I think Incrediman is really funny, but don't you find that names like Incrediman and Optimus Prime kind of suck you out of the experience somewhat? Yeah, they're not, they don't really gel with the, the world, do they? <laughs> Pawns. Um, this is probably the game's biggest innovation, um, mm. and something that uh, a couple of our correspondents will hear from later, uh, hoping to see more from this this very concept. Um, you've already sort of brushed across it, CJ. This idea that um, not only do you create a pawn, and we've obviously talked about hiring friends' pawns, um, but there's this whole. It's both built into the fiction of the game and mm-hmm. the reality of the game in that there's this whole uh, kind of ether place where these slightly um, Stepford Wivesy sort of pawn characters kind of exist, but they come out to serve the Arisen, who is your main character, in whatever world they need to be served. Um, but yeah, th- this can come down to... Uh, you know, you can, you can hire someone and then you send them back. And if you send them back, you get the opportunity to, to rate them. And uh, I saw, I, I don't always um, kind of gel with uh, zero punctuation Yahtzee's opinions, but on this, I thought he was saying some interesting things about the the reason they made them these kind of um, personality-less, almost semi-sentient uh, entities was so that it didn't feel like what you were saying, CJ, about them being mm. slaves. Um, mm. But actually, I felt it could have been justified that they weren't these kind of blank canvas creatures because they could still have been, they could have been like a a, 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 a breed of knight that was sworn to fight with the Arisen, yet still have their own, their That's own true. personality. Yeah. I think you... you- one of the one of my favorite bits about them is that um, you will see pawns that you either have hired or or haven't hired walking away, around in the game of their own volition. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I absolutely that, love. Yeah, yeah, that actually gave me a really kind of strange moment in the game when I was playing because I'd had this early on in the game. I think from levels sort of zero to sort of sixty, I'd had this one guy with me. And then obviously you surpass that they don't upgrade. So if your pawn is the only one that levels up with you, the mm-hmm. others will stay at whatever they were. And so after a while, he became useless because he was getting killed. You know, I'm, I'm surpassed his level. So I had to sort of get rid of him and trade him in for a new model. <laughs> and then you're kind of carrying on with the game. And then one day it was like just walking around Grand Soren and there he was walking up and it, and it was him, <laughs> you know, at the night. And so I stopped him and, and, and he, you know, you do that hello 
thing and hello arisen or whatever they, mm-hmm. and it was really awkward <laughs> it was like, i felt really guilty because it was like you know i've kind of yeah see you mate uh, bye. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry i'm not called uh, yeah and you kind of watch him going off into the horizon thinking oh, it's like when you bump into someone uh, you used to go out with when you're with your current partner and it's yeah. all like um yeah my you know yeah, my new, new friends now yeah, my new porn's so much better looking the whole porn system for me now i'm not a parent um, but it did make me kind of think that it's like the whole porn thing is kind of about parenthood <laughs> yeah. in the sense that, so you've got this thing that, that you shape and you teach it things like it follows you around and observes everything you do and learns as you go. Um, but then there are all these other worlds where you've just got like this, this porn that you then just have to send out and all these other people are going to judge you based on <laughs> the way your porn behaves and the things it does. and and like. And, you know, and when you get like, you know, you go on Twitter and people like saying like, oh, man, I, you know, I used your porn. He was really good. Mm. Um, and there's a weird sort of pride in it. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, at the very end of the game, um, the porn literally replaces you mm. and becomes like when, you know, in your death, like then takes your place. Um, so, yeah. So I, I wondered if there was a sort of parenthood theme to it. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah, you can live vicariously through your porn. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like there are there are worlds you can never interact with, but you can sort of prepare this this one character and then sort yeah. of let them go um, and do it for you. And it's yeah. I think the I, a fun aspect was when they do go into other people's games, and perhaps that player has gone to a different area than you've gone to. Mm-hmm. When you get there, um, and your you, your opponent will be like, "I know this area, sire. Be careful. Mm. There, there, there's a hidden wall." It's like, Love that. yeah. that's really cool. You're passing on secrets to me. Well, that, I think a lot of that, a lot of that stuff gets passed by. People don't clock it, do they? They don't realize what is going on when when you mm. hear your pawns talking. It's like when you said earlier, when you you, you go in um in down the well, mm-hmm. and they say cut off the tail. They're only going to say that if they fought them before. Yeah, and yeah. so you have all these things where they tell you, you they shout out what it's weak against and stuff, and mm-hmm. unless you're actually paying attention, a lot of that just passes people by. And but it's it's like, but they've learnt that from other players or having been in other people's games, and they've learnt the areas, they've mm. learnt the enemies. Yeah, it's that, just, that when it first hits you that it's like, of course yeah. he already knows what to do because he's already done it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, haven't re- I haven't really thought about um, the aspects Sean mentioned about about uh, the, the almost parenthood thing, but because mm. they, they have got such limited vocabularies, the fact that yeah. they, they, they're using the, the things that they, that they do know to, to warn you or to, to advise, and yeah, you can, some of those can, can be repeated a lot, and you can sort mm. of uh, pair those back by sitting them in the, uh, yeah, in the chairs. Tell them to of, be quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's also the, um, the thing that I don't think Dragon's Dogma was given credit for is that um, I think it's the only game uh, I know that even if you haven't got Xbox Live Gold, mm. will still allow you online. Mm. Ah, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that, actually, now that you mention it. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Because mm. I suppose it, they don't really mind because it's just sort of exchanging bits of data rather than actual yeah. playing it's together. It's still really cool that, that, it, that they let that happen, though, because it's, yeah. it's such a wonderful portion of the game that i wouldn't like to have seen sort yeah, of get yeah. gimped just because someone isn't paying yeah totally. quite a year. i mean i quite um i know like i say a lot of people got really fed up with all the the call outs that the pawns do um, they do repeat I, themselves rather a lot yeah. but that's um, down to the people setting them up as well because you can change that's true. That. yes mm. um personal favorite was when i was playing still quite early in the game I was playing with uh andy hamilton's uh pawn um who fell off a cliff 
and <laughs> and I sort of managed to sort of like spend ages sort of steadily descending down this cliff just to pick him up again. And as I picked him up, he just he just gets up and goes, "What a gaff!" <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, I think that the pawns have got this um, within their uh, their vocabulary. They've got this real sense of wonder with the world, a constant sense yeah. of wonder. Mm. And you know, in in comparison. Um, stuff like Dragon Age Inquisition, you'll get the characters that are with you that will have a conversation yeah. and then be silent for about half an hour. Mm. Mm. Um, and that, to me, I, I found more jarring than kind of people going like, um, God, what is it? There's a great line where it's like, uh, the plants surrounding these trees are like burdened children. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, they, um, I think they should have made uh, the developers should have made a little more effort to um, make sure that they didn't say the same obvious things over and over. It could, it could have been very easily fixed. Like if you you know if if the time is such that you've only just recently left and you know you've only just de- slept at an inn, don't say this is a good place for us to rest. <laughs> or yeah. if you've just yeah. left a city, don't say I believe this path leads to the place we've just come from. Um, <laughs> that that stuff could have easily been avoided while still no, bringing true. all the excellent stuff like um, Iceland, thy bite. These these enemies oh, are weak to awesome. uh, to to you know to frost magic or whatever. Mm. Um, I love I love when you're in the middle of a battle and you hear like uh, Sire, they're weak to fire. And you, and you just hear this like and you're like bring it over and then you see that ball of fire coming over and like your, 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 uh, your knives suddenly on fire and like oh yeah, yeah that, is, that is excellent <laughs> the, um, the other thing I liked about the pawns is the it reminded me a bit of um, I read an interview years ago when Skylanders first appeared mm. and it was uh, one of the designers behind Skylanders was talking about like his inspiration for it for the, the idea of having um the you know there's like a memory is it, is, I don't know if it's just an NFC chip uh, mm. in the Skylanders figures and he said the yeah. the reason that was important to him was that as a kid he used to play with toys yeah. and come up with all these you know stories or little scenarios or whatever and he would remember it but the toy wouldn't he was like it's, it's just a toy so the, the the inspiration behind putting the chip in the Skylander figure was like that knowledge that like it remembers um, and I think there's something of that with the pawns as well in that in sort of making that a system and sort of gamifying um you know your pawns experiences and stuff like there's that sense that like it's not just a character you like a scripted character you it was there as you played through the game it, like mm. you can see how it has learned from things you've done and from things it's done with other people yeah I, another um thing that struck me about pawns was that the sort of the the nurturing aspect you you were talking about the parenting thing was that mm. um i didn't really realize and this is because i didn't have to realize because i had these overleveled pawns in my party mm. that i was for ages i was thinking like how do other members of my party use items and you mm. have to teach them basically so you have mm, to yeah. give them put put items in their their inventory and then show them what to do by doing it yourself. And yeah. eventually they'll pick up on the fact that when you're like below half health, you might want to use a herb or a poultice or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of skipped a lot of that for a long time. I was just using, I was either just keeping myself alive and raising the others and hoping that my pawns would, uh, my hired pawns would keep my, my pawn alive. Um, mm. Or I was using items that, you know, give, uh, boost everyone, you know, so um, that's another really interesting aspect. I mean, I don't know how sort of how intelligent their how much knowledge they can absorb, how si- how simple or complex their AI can become depending on your actions. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's a shame that anyone um, trying to get into the game now, like, they're not going to have that experience no. of, like, constantly doing the sort of back and forth with people's pawns. No. And, like, you know, like yeah, every yeah, two yeah, days or whatever, people have played a bit more and things have happened and, and it's worth switching around constantly. Whereas, yeah, like you say, now you'll just have a few friends who finished it. It pays um, to have so those. Just, it really, it really oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I mean, we should talk about that. There's a whole currency that relates to pawns as well. You can hire um, mm. non-friend pawns, but it costs, it, for the higher, the higher the level you want, the more rift crystals it costs you. And actually, they're, they're in relatively... Um, unless you upgraded from the original version to the second version where you got gifted like a lot of Rift Crystals um, as a bonus for having bought the game twice, uh, you are going to need an enormous amount to hire kind of high-end pawns. So it really does pay to have to have friends mm. who have, have played the game. Although, as I say, I think there's maybe something to be said for actually playing it through with from the start with low-level pawns and kind of yeah. doing the whole thing yourself, mm. teaching them and uh, showing them how to fight and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, another facet that I think of uh, open world games that Dragon's Dogma did in a, to my knowledge, unique way, don't know if it is, um, is fast travel. Um, and I know mm-hmm. in the first edition of the game, it was perhaps c- considered, I, I got the impression people found it was a bit of a bind um, yes. getting around, but they tweaked they tweaked it in the second game, uh, or in the, in the second release. So. Um, What's unusual is uh, about this is that you can pretty much choose your fast travel uh, arrival locations by simply putting an item down in the world. Yeah. I don't know if there's a limit to how many it remembers. I assume there is, but it seems to be enough. Um, and then you need these uh, fairy stones to go to these port crystals. And um, in in darker isn't anyway. They're only only two thousand gold to buy a a, a fairy stone, uh, which is. Uh, not that much money as you get into mm-hmm. the game. So I constantly carried, you know, like a dozen fairy stones around with me. And the port crystals are rarer and more expensive, but as you go through the game, you will find them and you can decide where to put them in the game. So you can even put them, as well as put them to places you think will be relevant to the plot later. Um, mm. And they're particularly useful in that they can be, uh, you can do ferry, uh, es- sorry, escort quests with them, so you don't have to walk yes. from A to B. <laughs> and you can even, once you feel a, a location has been exhausted, you can pick up that ferry stone and use it somewhere else. Mm. Um, so I thought the whole thing was brilliant. And uh, now a lot of the time I wanted to walk around the world and fight and level up and see the world. But later in the game, when there are things like escort quests and get to this location by this hour, um, I thought this was such a fantastic system. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you say, in the original, um, I think you get one port crystal yes. during it's, the game. It's, it's, is that just after the the griffin? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's quite far in as well. Um, they're a rare so, drop as well, though, aren't they? You can get more, is that right? Or not I in think the first in the, play, in the first playthrough, you literally just get the one. Oh, okay. Um, and then I think it's if you do New Game Plus, you can then start buying them. And like you set up, like say, you, you sort of go around and set up your own sort of network of. Um, these ports, such cool, which idea. is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm on the side of things that I um, I liked the fact that there was just the one mm. in the original, um, I, which I then sort of had near the the top of the map, like where you went around the cu- the, the the curve towards the uh, the Griffin. I left it sort of a- around the the center, sort of near to there. But I like that when you went off on a quest, it genuinely felt felt like you were making a journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that you had to travel across the land the land within these repeated sort of wanderings became memorable the enemies that you that you reached 
that you went there, even the way that you went around it. But also it took advantage of not only the day-night cycle um, and, and got you uh, more used to that, but also um, you were gaining experience as you went. So rather than just popping off to somewhere and, and, and landing there, you probably fight God knows how many sort of villains on along the way. And that combat is ace and loads mm. and loads of fun to do. Mm-hmm. But I found that there was no real situation where I was maybe found wanting beyond my own skill skill level. It's everything mm. seemed achievable mm. because I was I was constantly leveling. Yeah, I think for me the the Dark Arisen playthrough struck a good balance. Like I I can imagine having played it with the one fairy uh port crystal, but mm. um I quite like the fact that later in the game I was able to to choose, but also because of the limited nature of them, there still had to be a certain amount of travelling. But actually yeah. I've ended up finishing the game with certain sections of the map that I've never seen because I didn't do every mm. quest and whatever, and that's that's kind of a shame, but also kind of realistic and and i've seen a few people say that the game world uh in, in reviews and stuff say the game is uh, the game world is small well it never felt small to me no, it no, might not either. be as massive as you know uh a skyrim or something mm. like that but but it's plenty big enough i felt mm. also it does it does section off a certain por- uh, part of the game early on if you don't do one of the uh one of the quests mm. to the witchwood oh yeah, and, yeah. I, um, I flunked that I, this I, time I, yeah yeah, that um, that threw a lot of people off within the fact. Of, well, I can't, I can't do that quest now. It's like no, everything yeah. really is in real time. If <laughs> and you story-wise, that actually becomes yeah. not important, but it's it's certainly Relevant. a piece of the puzzle. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. So th- this is the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, mm-hmm. as well as uh, any number of of quests. And they f- at, the, at the bottom end, you've got the uh, the very uh, traditional, you know, go and kill some rats in a cellar type mm-hmm. of affair. Um, there's also a string of uh, collectibles um, called seekers tokens, which which are literally go around the map and collect all these if you like doing that sort of thing completely ignorable but you will get yeah xp worth, or worth noting that um yeah in the original that was paid for downloadable content oh my word yeah wow like, li- literally just some shiny things on the ground scattered around hard to reach places goodness me that that's a, a 400 in the, microsoft points in the negative <laughs> column for, uh, for for capcom there yeah um but Yes, the, this concept of uh, obviously you've got story quests and it doesn't really make a big deal about which ones are the story quests either. It just they just list them with it's, all the others. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because when I, you know, with a lot of uh, games like this, you know, there's usually um, everyone comes down on the side of like you don't really have to do the side quest, just get the story done if that's all you want. Or mm. you know, some some games might be like, no, the side quests are all really worth doing. This is yeah, like you say, there's quite a mix there. There's mm. um, ones that seem like side quests. Mm. Um, and like you say that you can just miss them um, like either you take them and then you uh, if you uh, go past a certain story point it'll just then you know block off that yeah. quest that you're or doing indeed, or indeed just... real time if you just let day night cycle go a few times oh that's right you yeah. can end up missing mm-hmm. stuff through time and I, I thought yeah. that was amazing I ended up mm. I got a warning there's this one where um, and, and this has a consequence uh, mm-hmm. Fornival the um, ah, a yeah, local yeah. Uh, noble mm-hmm. um is uh, is under arrest and you have to go around and collect evidence and I, I was off doing other things in the mountains and then suddenly mm-hmm. I get this you have but one day to sort out this situation <laughs> so I'm kind of yomping back across the map running around all these villagers literally running mm-hmm. um, around around towns and places to to speak to people and get their um, testimony or whatever mm-hmm. and um, that, um, 
It was such Sorry. a cool. No, I just thought it was such a cool idea. And in the end, I think I, I collected an equal amount of evidence, both for and against. And it ended up mm. he was guilty. And I, I found out through the wiki afterwards that that meant that I ended up without some of the coolest buyable items in the game. So <laughs> yeah, I think you're I mean, supposed to bend the trial, aren't you, to basically to well, your to your whim. It's it's really smart because uh, if you collect all the evidence, basically, um, it's yeah, it, it's he is guilty. Mm. Um, but he's well, I forget exactly what it is. Like he's smuggling stuff, but basically the money he's using from the smuggling, he is like putting back into the community somehow. Yeah. So it's it's just a total grey area, and it's kind of up to you, like what evidence you submit. That's right. Um, and, and so you can yeah, so you can just fudge it. And being a gamer, I just collected everything and thought, well, let justice take its course. And of course, mm-hmm. that meant I actually missed out on stuff, which is bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's like I say. Um, like you mentioned, the the Witchwood. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of these quests that you're like, ah, oh, side quest, I'll do it in a bit. And then, yeah, then you do something else and then that side quest Basically, is then locked she off. Basically, she goes off and, and dies. Yeah, um, like there are like quite important story beats that you can totally miss. Um, mm. So, yeah. So there's a choice of, um, this is, we're bouncing around slightly, but that's cool. Mm. They're, they're, a, they're a choice of, or not really a choice, but depending on how things play out, what quests you do, Mm. Um, and your affinity, you'll get one of three love interests in the game. So it's whoa, whoa, whoa! Right, you can romance anyone in the game. Oh, ap- oh wow! Ap- okay, apart from uh, <laughs> the previous arisen, um, not arisens. Uh. Um, yeah, no, literally anyone, including <laughs> the jester. <laughs> Oh my word, Fester, Fester the yes. creepy jester. That's, yes. I believe I believe this vexed a few people, didn't they? When it they did. this uh, is when really they got a same-sex confusing. romance towards the, the well, end this of the is, game. <laughs> this is what made me laugh. Um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't laugh because obviously it's a sensitive issue. But um, like when Mass Effect Two, and it turned out you could have uh, you know uh, gay male relationships in it, and like loads of people getting up in arms, and like one of the you know one of the defenses was like, look, even if that is your attitude towards these things, and that is appalling. The fact is, it's not going to happen by accident. You're not being no. forced to see it. Dragon's yeah. Dogma, you can be gay by accident. Yeah, I, I, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it actually happened to a friend of mine who did, um, yeah, the quest with Fornival, um, who's just this fat old bald man. Um, and then that increased his favour with Fornival. And then he didn't bother to romance anyone else, didn't do any other side quests that involved <sighs> uh, increasing anyone's opinion. And then, yeah, ended up shagging Fornival at the end. See, I'd missed um, so much of this. <laughs> uh, I assumed that it was either the, the, the winsome lass from the village who I let die because I didn't realise mm-hmm. it was real-time quest, mm-hmm. which I, I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, my own fault, that's life. Um, <laughs> I ended up romancing with, uh, with my middle-aged lady, the, the young knight Sir Maximilian, but I Ooh. never had any relationship with him whatsoever other than walking up to him and saying, what's the next quest? You know, <laughs> oh, uh, no, I tell a lie. I did remember to check the notice board mm-hmm. just before going to the final battle. And there's an escort quest to take him to the location of that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, That'd two birds it. with one stone. Yeah. So I took him <laughs> there. So I ended up uh, in the, in, yeah, at the end of the game, he comes rushing up in your arms and you're snogging and yeah. Mm. Very strange. Because, um, yeah, basically all it is is every character just has like a stat for how much they like you, which you, uh, you raise either by doing quests for them or you can just <laughs> give them stuff they like. And, yeah, it's just whoever has the highest rating, that's who the dragon threatens to kill and that's yeah. who you romance at the end. That's so um, weird. But I don't feel it. I mean, I think it's a great concept, but I don't think it really works because the... the yeah. Like, at uh, least um, Bioware make something of having several scenes between the characters where there's a bit of tension, a bit of flirting, a bit of... Um, well, they do. They do if you if it's the Duke's wife. 
Oh, yeah, I think that's well, who that's I got, a yeah. scene as well. That is a very weird scene. But, of course, it makes <laughs> yeah, sense later on. on. Um, like, when it when it happens, so we should probably explain. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you, uh, do you get an invitation to go and see her, I think? She wants you to yeah. go and see her at, at night. And then, that's right. No, and, no the, the, there's a meeting first in the garden, isn't there? That's yeah, how you yeah. initiate. Ah, that, that's so. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so you get this quest to go and mm. see uh, Eleanor, who's the um, yeah the queen, Mrs. Duke. Yes. Um, yeah. Duchess. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, the queen. Yeah, Duchess. Um, and uh, yeah, and then her her husband, the Duke, who we've not actually talked about yet. He's he's a huge character. Um, yeah. He bangs on the door, and sort of looks like he's in the middle of. Like he's sort of catatonic almost, isn't he? Mm. He sort of stumbles into the room and starts trying to strangle her um, and screaming, uh, I'm sorry, Lenore, I take it back. Um, I'm sorry, over and over again. And which, of course, as we find out later, um, is because he took the dragon's bargain mm. and he had his, his uh, original wife uh, killed because he's a coward and that's why he's the Duke. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's that whole thing. But it's the bit where the, I mean that that bit makes more sense. But it was the bit where she starts coming on to you completely out the blue. I felt. Yeah, um, I think we're we're to assume that she's already seen some weird behaviour from him, and maybe that's why she's she's anxious, looking for um, an out. <laughs> yeah, I presumed that I because I dress my character so well. That I, I wasn't sort of uh, focusing on uh, on sort of strength stats or anything like that mm-hmm. because I was actually dressing my character in the most fabulous clothes I could. But this was you just couldn't ignore that. Are you the yeah. arisen? Of course they are. Look at those trousers. Yeah, I always looked a bit of a state, really. You know, I was kind of. I was kind Come of, on, you're moving into middle age. You have to look after this lady. I was dumpy and and I like I always had mismatching gear on because I'd just wear whatever gave me the best stats and you know so yeah I didn't look very grand at all. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I mean yeah. that that scene with Eleanor, like as as horrific as it was, like that was the first um, bit of the game where I was like, there is something else going on here. Yes. This isn't just a cookie cutter fantasy RPG anymore. Because it did seem um, secondary at first, didn't it? The story it was sort of by yeah. the by to the the world and uh, and the action and um, yeah, because yeah, like, at a certain point it starts to turn and then uh-huh. just goes <laughs> it sort of, like really really goes for it and yeah. um you become really caught up in it worth mentioning as well that like yeah as you strangle eleanor you can just hide and wait yeah um, <laughs> which is terrifying and in a way brilliantly mirrors the decision that the duke himself made back in the day yeah. oh cool yeah. in that you can just shy away and let him die and or you can step out and get put in prison but, there are a few bits um, where i wondered what the consequences were for not acting um mm. uh, and certainly one that one of the major ones is 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 the ending when mm. when you have the opportunity to um, present your love interest to the dragon. Yeah, um, I don't know how much that changes. The, Has anybody um, done that? By the way, Has anybody yeah, asked? Has, has anyone done it? Well, basically, yeah. All the all the endings, bar the actual final real one, mm. um, just basically give you a tiny cutscene, and then it just goes, "Yeah, do you want to retry that?" Um, oh, okay. So so yeah. So basically, if you take the dragon's bargain, um, there's just like a brief cutscene of you sat on the duke's chair looking miserable oh fair enough okay um, right. so, which is yeah which is about right game over um the whole game seems i mean it's it's, it's obviously been deliberately geared towards multiple playthroughs as well yeah, which are absolutely really like, yeah but you know there's quite a, a an enjoyable kind of gray morality to it it never judges you based on what you do so yeah, you know, there'll be there'll be repercussions or, or consequences to certain actions but the game never really kind of punish it. I suppose you could say it does in some sense punish you when you don't get certain items because you chose this over that. But mm. 
it, it never goes out of its way where, you know, like with other games where people will run in fear from you or something like that. Mm. Yeah, there's just, no like explicit morality nah. system or anything. It's just you and nah. what you think is right or wrong. And most people <laughs> are impressed by your status as the Arisen, the one who uh, stood up against a dragon, had their heart plucked mm. out and is, and is fighting for the future of mankind. But there are mm. a few people who are like, your status doesn't impress me. Like, yeah, they're like, they're like, mate, like, I know, you, I know you're, the, you're the Arisen and everything, but that is a dragon. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> like, you haven't got there's, a chance. Yeah, it's people who just straight up don't believe actively, Yeah, there's a few that actively want you undone Yeah, yeah. as a result. And I love that kind of, that, that dark underbelly of the guys that are in the, mm. that are in the cloaks as well. Yeah, um, the um, Salvation. A- and I love the fact that they're sort of, like, quite a, a you know, they're a, a main sort of antagonist throughout um, a lot of the game. And then when the dragon actually turns off, he's like, mate, I'm not bothered about that. <laughs> they, they, they're nothing. They're just some yeah. mad cultists. Um, yes. Uh, we should come on to the final battle then. It tells you it's uh-huh. the final battle. Uh, so Grigory is the name of the big red dragon. Um, mm. And yes, he's he's very Smaug-like, but he's also somewhat devilish, as you'd expect. Um, I found, I mean, I just thought the whole dragon fight sequence with the interspersed um cg and um so there are even sections that shouldn't really work in a in a i mean it is an it is an action rpg but it's not an action game but there are bits here where you're running into the screen there are bits where you're jumping on collapsing i mean it mm. never it never makes you do any actual platforming or, mm. or anything like that but it chains together this whole sequence of fights um, and I just thought it was breathtaking, just the yeah, whole yeah. thing. And I mean, the dra- like we said, the enemies in the game look amazing, but this dragon, it, it's a complete classic cliched dragon, but it just looks, the, the textures on its scales mm-hmm. and the, the expression on its face and the fire it breathes, just everything looks so great mm-hmm. um, that I, I love that. There's a bit where you, you climb onto its back and you're flying towards yeah. the, oh, yeah, just and there is like even though um yeah there are sort of like like nice little scripted bits like that when you're actually fighting it there is still that sense of like i might just not be able to do yeah, this yeah, like yeah yeah it, it i love put, it i love the timber in uh, the in the voice acting as well yeah like the gregory oh, the, the kind of that that almost cigar chomping kind of yeah it's just it's <laughs> so well done it feels like something that's that's speaking way beyond human range yeah and um, worth pointing out uh like it's generally accepted that Grigori is um, probably the name of um, obviously it's the dragon's name, but it's probably the name of the the arisen who went up and then we'll talk about that in a second. But, okay, uh, yeah. then became the dragon. But obviously, yeah, Grigori is also the term for fallen angels. Um, oh man! Which yes. yeah, which fits. Oh, ties into the opening sequence as well. Yes, um, oh, literally something. You That's know, cool. This it's a celestial being, and um, in gameplay terms as well, it. Uh, it's not bothered by holy damage. It's um, the opposite. I forget what they call it. Like death magic that kills it. Right. Um, rather than holy stuff. So, assuming um, that you uh, have the strength and the pawns and the moves, um, you eventually hit Grigory in his, uh, in his glowing heart and you get your heart back. Mm. Um, there's, is there a, there's no choice at this point, is there? This is just purely, this is what happens next. But basically the dragon mm. is, you, you think, I've won the game here, but um, 
Oh man! But you haven't. You haven't. <laughs> see, did, did anyone sort of see this coming? Because I, you know, when it like just comes up with the quest, the final battle. I was mm. like, I'm only 25 hours in. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's right. Um, well, I'd heard what you and other people had said, so I course, knew there was something yeah, up. Yeah, but yeah, but it yeah. it was still. I think it could have fooled me. It, mm-hmm. it could. It, it absolutely did fool me. Right. And um, the to have that degree of rug pull mm. that not only was mm-hmm. uh, the, the the giant quest that I thought game was all about mm. you know killing killing this, this this dragon would actually throw off the world and the the skies grew green and gray there were brand new enemies um yeah you got the dragon forged armor but there was there was there were there was actually more it. powerful <laughs> yeah. armor near the dragon uh-huh. than the one that had been dragon forged and just all all bets were off you got the the everfall that created Capital City created is wrecked. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, honestly it was one of those where it just went Oh my god! I I don't I don't know that a game has ever really sort of done the magic trick of like pulling pulling the uh, the tablecloth off <laughs> and presenting me with brand new plates and <laughs> yeah. sauce and oh man! I know some people are really upset about the color of the sky changing. It just feels so oppressive, and the fact yeah. that mm. they that they've held so much back for. Yeah. For that moment, it it actually made me want to explore the world again, mm, even yeah. with that sort of claustrophobia that I felt. I just mm. wanted to see what changed or what I could find or the mm. things that were different even before, like the Everfall. Yeah, so the Everfall is a multi-tiered, um, well, infinite-tiered in theory, but it's a, it's a multi-tiered pit where you can uh, cling on or, as I tried to do the first time, just land face-first mm. onto, a, onto a concrete Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and then within that, there are uh, chambers with different names of like torment and regret and mm. various other unpleasant uh, sensations and emotions. Um, and within which you will find uh, both bo- bosses old and new, um, including yeah. a rather amazing, again, quite a cliched sort of Dungeons and Dragons type of thing, a bit like a beholder, um, but like yeah. a big eyeball with tentacles. But it just looks fantastic. And like mm-hmm. with the way it lights up, like it's got a spotlight out of its eye. And that was the first <laughs> one I fought. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm quite into this mm-hmm. Everfall place. And I was concerned that I was going to get lost, but I just kept, I dropped down one level and then grab on and eventually you find that there is a way to crawl back into the town uh, the capital of Grand Soren via the inn and you can do all the usual stuff um, there and the the armourer just uh, just about missed the uh, pit so you can still upgrade your uh, weapons and stuff (laughs) Um, so I I, I don't think I fully explored because you're set a task uh, by this is it Queena some mysterious figure to collect um, 20 Waystones or something? Uh, uh, wake stones. Wake stones. Yeah, the stones <laughs> will bring you back to life when yeah, you that's die. That's right. Yeah. Of course, at this point, you're now cursing yourself for any that you've used during the game because you sort of really need them oh, at yeah, this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it doesn't necessarily take you to explore the whole of the Everfall to get twenty because they're quite. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of them. So I ended up missing out on I think some some of the tiers. So there may have been extra gear in there. Or, uh, that's sort of fine though because yeah. I I wasn't actually a huge fan of this bit. Because um, right. it is just sort of, I mean, I suppose it's supposed to be like a nod to um, sort of roguelike uh, dungeon yeah. construction, but and it boss is rushes just as well. It's a bit yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is just sort of the same asset, sort of reused and reconfigured it over is. and over, which kind of makes sense story-wise. Like it is sort of justified, and it's like, yeah, this is just like a mess of dimensions. Like you're in any sort of interdimensional space, mm. um, but sort of made physical. Um, so it kind of works. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I, I did find it a bit of a slog after a while. Yeah. Really cool though. You know, there's you did you find there's like different types of dragons, um, like smaller ones. Like there's three types, and they represent because um, obviously they're they're also previous um, arisens. Um, yeah. And yeah, so there's there's basically each one represents uh, like the warrior, strider, or mage. Ah, uh, okay. So there's like yeah. that's why there's some dragons you can sort of do like they do magic and they like, raise their claws up and throw magic at you. Um, that's because they were mage arisen. Um, and, yeah, All right, cool. Which is quite cool. So once you have collected uh, these wake stones, this is when you have the opportunity to do the actual final fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, against uh, known in the game as Seneschal, which is it Seneschal, I believe it's um, Seneschal. It's, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's a it's a it's a it's an actual thing, isn't it? It's a mm-hmm. it's a phrase, a name that is used mm-hmm. for uh, for things. Um, and yeah, this is this is one of those JRPGs where you fight God at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite a crap fight, I thought. Really, um, really uh, stupidly easy. I found it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which I mean, by this point, with everything you've gone through in the Everfall, I didn't really mind. I didn't mind at all. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. Likewise, I, I was, I was just really taken with the surroundings and what the game was seemingly trying to do. At this yeah, point. Like, but it was it gone yeah. really surreal and really, really weird. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. Who'd care to explain kind of what 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 this all means? Um, okay, so you go up to meet the Seneschal, who's effectively God, um, <laughs> and. Yeah, it's all it's sort of revealed that the um the whole sort of structure it's <laughs> so there's God at the top and then there's the dragon that gets mm-hmm. sent down. Now it's a bit of a weird chicken and egg thing. Mm. I don't really understand how it could have started, but let's assume <laughs> there was a Seneschal and then there was a dragon. Dragon comes down, um basically it picks someone um and takes their heart and they become the arisen and basically that person is then being tested to see if they are fit. To replace the Seneschal, yeah. um, that's what the whole thing of the dragon is about. Is it's just to find um, the next god, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sort of all the previous arisen and the dragon itself you see in the game are like they all represent like a, a potential ending for you and your character. Mm. Um, so obviously, yeah. So we've already talked about Duke Edmund, who uh, took the dragon's bargain, allowed his his wife to be killed, mm. um, was allowed to just sort of live like you know he stays immortal until the next arisen does his thing i.e you um and then you've got there's uh celine the the witch girl there's her um what she refers to as her mother and um, but you later realize he's actually her arisen she was a celine was a pawn um and yeah as you when you meet the seneschal you're given the option to just turn back and he's like i'll let you just go back to earth and you whatever you just live out your life naturally um say no say no more about it um and yeah and that's what celine's arisen chose um and then upon celine's uh sorry <laughs> celine's arisen upon her death uh her natural death celine then took on her appearance um and then you've got um the dragon forged who again i think the assumption with the dragon forge is that he also took the bargain. His story is really weird. It's not very well explained. Um, mm. The theory is, when you go to fight the dragon, you find like an old ruined city, and apparently the thing with the dragon forged is he wasn't in love with anyone in particular. Um, so the dragon offered his kingdom in the bargain instead, uh-huh. <laughs> and he sacrificed it for knowledge about the dragon. Um, mm. And that's yeah, which is why he's like really old and and yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so basically you fight the Seneschal and like he gives you these options. He says, you know, you can either go back to Earth. If you die in that fight, if you get defeated, um, you then fall to Earth as the next dragon. That's how the dragon is created. It's Arisen who came up to see the Seneschal and then just lost. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then that's, you know, that, it's up to you to then find the next Arisen, I guess. Um, but if you defeat him, mm. you become the next Seneschal you kill him with this this blade called the Godsbane, um, and then you sit in his chair. You sit right? in his chair. Assuming and get, what every player does for the first time is sit in his chair. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get transported down to Earth, but you're invisible, <laughs> and all you can do is just kind of observe things. Like it's explained to you that like you are like now you know you're supposed to guide the world and you you're all powerful and stuff. You can't actually do anything. No, which is kind of a cop out, but obviously I don't expect them to implement a full god sim for the last. No, and there's kind of, of the game. There's a whole lot of philosophizing before this about um, you know the purpose of existence and the pointlessness and why do we strive for things and uh, isn't, yeah. isn't existing just put putting one foot in front of the other and mm-hmm. um you know why why did you have the will to get to this point um mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff i don't think it, mm-hmm. it doesn't sort of attempt to answer a lot of this stuff but it sort of raises yeah raises it's the that question. typical sort of jrpg philosophy really where i think yeah. if i was 14 i might have really dug it but yeah. um, <laughs> as it is i haven't really learned anything from this but it, it's cool um yeah. it's sort of and again you know so this is a point where so you think you know, the game's another, over again yeah um like you know and i've had people who finished the game and there's again, no end credits really, yeah, like I didn't really get the ending. It's just it's sort of weird. I, I just think turned it's really it clever, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> people just sort of stop. Um, but of course, at this point, you have a quest, which is live as the Seneschal. Yes. Um, and again, some people make this leap on their own. Um, you I, I didn't. You, you had to look it oh, up. Oh, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> you, eventually, you twig that there is a godsbane in your inventory. You, know, yeah. you still have this sword that is capable of killing the Seneschal. So you're like, well, that's weird. So you go into your inventory and you, yeah, you activate it and he just holds it out in front of his chest, pointing at himself. Um, and yeah, and then you press whatever button it mm-hmm. is. You stab yourself in the chest, die, um, and then you and your pawn uh, fall to earth. And like obviously your pawns, it's really sad because the pawns like do, just does like the normal reaction that it does when you die in combat. Mm. Um, like it'll say something like, oh, master, no, or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, and then you, you get this cutscene where you fall to earth um, with the pawn and it does this weird effect where mm. there's like all faces going into the pawn. It doesn't mm. really, um, <laughs> looks a bit weird. Um, but yeah, and then you both land in the sea and only the pawn comes out, but it's you. Yeah, um, yeah it speaks it, in the pawn's voice. It says, it looks like the arisen, you're arisen, but, yeah, it, but, but it, it says yeah. master in the yeah, voice, it sits which is particularly yeah, yeah. weird when you had a male pawn and you've now, yes. and you've got a female character or whatever. Which is, but. Yeah, it's strange. It's just like because obviously, if it's taken on your form, it would speak with your voice. Surely, yeah. I think maybe they just did that to sort of make sure. Give it away. Got, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, so like I say, that there's this implication throughout the game that the pawn takes on um, your character and your form, like your physical form. Like Celine looks like um, her arisen, like she, yeah, when when her arisen died, and yeah, so the same thing happens to you, and your your pawn then presumably just masquerades as you. Yeah, and your love like it, interest turns up again and yeah. you sit there and stare <laughs> at the lovely beach. Yeah. And it looks um, like it did at the start of the game before Grigory turned up and wrecked the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the obviously the, the whole implication is like you've ended this this whole cycle. Seneschal dragon arisen cycle. Yeah. Um, whether or not, I mean, obviously the, the implication the game is making is that it's a good thing. Um, I don't know, players' individual well, feelings yeah. may vary. Um, I don't know. 
it's incredible that the game's got the ambition to do this though yeah because absolutely. games very rarely do it and the fact that they've had so much of the ending in their back pocket mm. and they just become more surreal and more ambitious I, I i just think that's really it's something that i don't see a lot of in games and it, it's to be applauded i think and the mm. knowledge from the development team that a, a lot of people will have completely missed it and not not perhaps not even yeah. played on beyond the dragon yeah. um, mm. and certainly not necessarily thought about what to do in the the final 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 quest mm-hmm. yeah so what's the the addendum that dark arisen adds to this extraordinary stuff so right so you you get um the, the ghost woman appears in Cassidus yeah and just night, offers yeah. to take you yeah no um to offers to take you to this dungeon i forget exactly why um like i can't remember what the the impetus is to actually go and do this other than it's a dungeon with monsters in it um but yeah no the the story of dark arisen is even more convoluted because it takes that um you know that structure and that system and weaves a really strange story around it. has anyone else has anyone finished dark arisen um i've gone through his first form i'm still having to yeah his second yeah so. I, I got to the boss um and then couldn't handle it um i was fighting him for about half an hour and took off maybe an eighth of his health so yeah, i got to a i got to a certain point and i don't know if i was just swayed by other games but i, I mm. like what it was trying to do that it it, it gave a um a, a different feel that there was a, a lot of spontaneity to it mm-hmm. it was throwing things that fairly or unfairly that i I couldn't handle and introduce the degree of the fear again yeah um but uh i didn't progress that far through dark arisen i must admit well basically the story of dark arisen is insane um i'm gonna try and explain it i might get this wrong so yeah so there was there was an arisen in the past who um rather than just taking pawns um also had a human companion um, and basically this whole tale is like a lecture on why you can't do that <laughs> because the, uh, oh God, I'm trying to remember. So the, the Arisen falls in love with the human companion, but also the main pawn obviously starts to take on the form and character of the Arisen, right? So Arisen goes up, fights the Seneschal, loses, comes back as a dragon the human companion falls in love with the previous main pawn who has now assumed the form and identity of the Arisen. (laughs) (laughs) Dragon comes down. Uh, Oh yeah, that's right. And then the human, yeah, the dragon comes down and picks the human companion as the new Arisen. So then they go to fight the dragon. And then obviously the dragon's bargain is um, either you kill me or you kill the pawn that has assumed my form. So basically this Arisen is then given the choice between killing two people that he loves. Um, so he just refuses and walks out and goes mad. <laughs> and yeah, his, his absolute rage uh, um, having to make this decision is, is what turns him into this demon and he forms this entire um, sort of dungeon um, out of his own anguish, basically. Um, which is really smart. Like, I, I had a lot of problems with Dark Arisen. I... I struggled with it a lot um everyone i've ever spoken to said that bitter black isle is just just too hard even for people who really played a lot of yeah this is a thing like i honestly wondered if there was like a bug with the difficulty because it's telling me like you know if you find it hard maybe just go back and do the main game i have twice Mm. so (laughs) yeah you see now because we we, we've touched upon this in the weeks preceding this that Mm -hmm. 
I I wondered with Bitter Black, there seemed to be a lot of negativity overall towards this as an add-on. Now, I uh, what I've noticed is it, it seems to be coming from people who played Do- Dragon's Dogma and then came into this as a separate thing once it was released as DLC. Whereas I came into this right at the start and I started mm-hmm. hitting Bitter Black mm-hmm. very early in the game. Like mm-hmm. literally the, the first night that she's there on the dock, I thought, yeah, let's go and check this out. Mm-hmm. And I spent... And in a way, Bitter Black gave me the impetus to keep playing. I mean, I'm, I'm a character's currently 147, and I'm still struggling with parts of Bitter Black, but it's not <laughs> a point where I'm thinking, I hate this bit. It's this constant drive to think, one day I'm going to clock this. And I've got a friend who, who I play with on the PS on Destiny on the PS3, and she's done this to completion. She's killed... Because Damon, he's the main boss of the Bitter Black thing, if, in a sense, but there's a there's something in there that is far worse than him, and mm. it's death. Yes. Every every oh, God, single yeah, yeah. time I've tried to take this thing on, and it, I mean, death is like this huge grim reaper with a scythe and a lamp, mm. and he has the ability to just basically wipe everybody out in one hit. And it's uh, yeah, and I, 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 there's a real there's a there's a real technique to taking him on, but she's done this. Her character, her pawn that I'm using in my team has got the Infinity logo on it, and it's like, oh, <laughs> and I'm I'm getting ever so more confident that I'm going to beat him one day. And it's, <laughs> but I loved the bit of black. I really, really got into this thing playing it. I, I it was the sense. I, I saw a lot of people making a Dark Souls comparison mm. every now and again. Now I don't see that with the main game, but Bitter Black, I do. Bitter Black feels like Dark Souls in the sense that every core, every corridor, every doorway, every time I passed into a new area, I was inching forward because I didn't know what was going to be there and how powerful it was. Mm. And it was often that I would use my pawns as a litmus test. I would send them in <laughs> and see how quick, if they die within 30 seconds, it's like, right, turn tail, get the hell out of there and revive them back at the stone. <laughs> and it was just, it was this thing where it was just, and it was that constant drive. It was, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting enough finding all the new areas, unlocking the next section felt like a real achievement with that section because it is really tough. Like some of the, like, it's similar to when you, after you fight Grigori and, and everything becomes like the, you know, the sky darkens, everything's that bit, everything's considerably tougher mm. in the world anyway. Mm-hmm. But Bitter Black seems to just, just got, it knocks everything up to 11, like literally straight away. And, and like the first ever time I went in and it's literally the first corridor you come up against like three dogs and they, and one, you know, literally we went down like skittles one after the other and it's like, <laughs> I couldn't even get out of there fast enough before they, one of them had grabbed me and dragged me back and then just tore into me. And I was like, holy hell, <laughs> like, you know, but it was just, uh, yeah, I've really, uh, Bitter, Black, Bitter Black is the, the real hook for me with the game. In the, yeah, like, I, I was going to say, like, I, um, yeah, there are a few people I know who are like, no, it's the best bit. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> they absolutely adore it, um, which, like I say, makes me um, consider if there was something weird about um, starting Bitter Black on like a later, like on New Game Plus or New yeah, Game Plus. I, Plus. I started mine sort of late as well, but I, I, I think there's there's generally sort of quite a lot of distaste for it online. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I got the impression that it was one of those things where I don't know it's like the everlasting gobstopper that you were sort of <laughs> supposed to sort of keep coming back and maybe uh-huh. there was something Sounds that was like unfair. What Jay's been doing, yeah. Yeah, it makes me sort of think that I there's still something left for me there that I I perhaps haven't appreciated to the full and loving the game as I do that's 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 a real temptation. It's probably worth saying um 
to people who are listening who uh, who don't know but maybe have the game on, on Plus is just because you have the Dark Arisen version doesn't mean that you have to take on this at all. It's oh, absolutely, com- yeah. completely oh, wow. optional and the yeah. entire of Dragon's Dogma as it was originally is is part of Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. So. Yeah, the, the toughest thing to convey I found um, when Dark Arisen came out because I was sort of, uh, yeah, just slagging off. A bit of Black Isle, basically. So yeah. everyone's like, oh, well, should I not get it then? It's like, no, if you've not played Dragon's Dogma, mm. then Dark Arisen is still the best way into the main game. Yeah. Absolutely. And it tweaks um, a few other also things got... as well, doesn't it? And Im- yeah. slightly improved performance and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, imp- improved fast travel, arguably. Yeah. You know. Which is huge for some people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, mm. would al- I would always rather see a game show ambition. Mm. And if there's any, any sort of issue that I have generally with the new generation of consoles, it, you know, especially in comparison to this, is that. Um, Dragon's Dogma is a really sensory experience, mm. you know, from uh, from the the feel of the water or the way that you react or the way that yeah. that light is mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the story. Even even aspects like um, the uh, the creature that's underground that uh, attacks women first. Yeah, um, the um, and it's not. The, is it the ogres or is it the yeah, yeah. the ogres? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and somebody put that to. I'm sure one of the pawns like, says it at a certain point, but somebody put it to the developers and like, yeah, we thought that'd be a really cool idea. Oh, I didn't well, these are so. really. Well, you see, because not really... only um, not only do they attack women first, they grab them and run away with them. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but these are all sort of ideas that I would see as being the sort of thing that yeah. the next generation of consoles could do really well. Or these are the ideas that I would like to see coming into fruition but i you know in, in comparison i mean I, I had a lot of issues with dragon age inquisition but when i ran through water in that it was just a visual effect mm. it didn't make mm. me feel like i was running through water or yeah. this is something that dragon's dogma does incredibly incredibly mm. well and and again i invest myself in an imagining world because of of that sort of feedback it's exactly mm. the sort of thing that i used to you know when i i mean as i say i've never been biased in any particular direction but one of the things that i always felt that japanese developers used to do in previous generations better was was sell game worlds have that that attention to detail and have that that mm. understanding of what made a game world immersive it mm-hmm. wasn't just about making it look pretty it was about making it feel real um you know yeah so even even back in the 8 and 16 bit days it would be little touches that that japanese developers like konami and capcom would put in the uh, sega 2 in their games just just expressions of real life effects you know wisps in the air and and sparks mm. and mm-hmm. little glows of a lantern and stuff like that that sometimes would be forgotten by by other developers so Dragon's Dogma Online is the only thing we have that seems to be resembling a sequel. It doesn't appear to have the same uh, team behind it, as far as mm. I can tell. Um, it's also definitely not coming out here, apparently. And yeah, and that's the other <laughs> that's the other element. Definitely not coming out in the West. I, I think that could change. Um, yeah, if it possibly. Did well I mean, even if it doesn't, don't get me wrong. I'll have a go. Yeah, but um... <laughs> you know, if 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 they do this right. If it, if it does come over here and you've got, I mean, one of the one of the aspects that people sort of mentioned about the original, and this was uh, probably a, a technical concern, was it would be great if you could co-op and like have you and a pawn yes. and somebody else and a pawn, yeah. or even like four of you together mm-hmm. doing something. If they get the world and allow us to play in in that way, and uh, you know the 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 various iterations of that, mm. um, have things sort of technically fine. If they are doing free to play. If you allow me to exist in that world and have a world of fun, the the amazing clothing designs and armor designs and stuff like that, 
I will throw coin at you if I can make my <laughs> character look as pretty as possible. Yeah. <laughs> but leave that optional, and I think you, that you've uh, yeah. that you've got a, a massively populated game world, and it breaks my flat out breaks my heart that that's not coming over here because I. I I'd love it to pieces. It doesn't look mm. like there's going to be a, a straight sequel. Um, I know there was some speculation when Capcom first revealed uh, deep down that it was going mm. to be some sort of spiritual successor. But again, it seems like it's a different team set in a mm. and and the actual the the yeah, it's future yeah, the, set and stuff, isn't it? But where you yeah. go back into the past, so um, it is being retooled though now, isn't it? That it's, apparently it's been changed quite a bit from the last time that we that we saw it. And they've, mm. they're not oh, really? giving any hint as to as to the direction that that, that it's now going. So I don't know if it, it is still future based. Uh, if, I mean, I don't like in terms of sales. I don't think it, it blew anybody's mind. Two and a half million. Was, Two and a half million. That's, 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 okay. that's better than some games, Western mode games. Yeah, I so I mean, yeah, yeah. if that doesn't get somebody to sit up and take note, which clearly, it, it, well, it doesn't appear to have done. And and it, it, it baffles me. I mean, Dragon's Dogma Online is a free-to-play game as well, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's risks, obviously, and to some people that's still a dirty word, but I, I was enthused. I mean, I'm not sure if I want to play it with other people because I quite like the porn system on this. I, was, yeah. I, I, I wasn't distracted by a random conversation whilst we're playing, so I'm missing conversations yeah, yeah, that are true. taking part. Mm. But it felt like I was react. you know, you had this cooperative element, which I really, really enjoyed. But why they don't see it, well, you know, like you say, it might change. I really, really hope it does. Mm. Um, or at least I really hope that they're taking notice of, of how well-received this game was. And, and similar to Dark Souls and, you know, like you see everybody's talking about Bloodborne this week. And mm-hmm. you can see, like, Dragon's Dogma has everything it needs to build on. And, yeah, I hope that somebody at Capcom takes note and does something with it. There was some stat like mm. it was the fastest selling new IP of that year or possibly even that console generation or something. I mean, fastest selling is always a bit of a, you know, kind of wibbly wobbly stat, but it's a stat (laughs) and it sold and it sold two and a half million copies. uh, And with the PS plus a hell of a lot more people than that are going to have played. They didn't go out of their way to promote this title as as they often don't. I mean, it's like Sega with the Yakuza title, you know, they, they, Mm. They say low, they cite low sales figures as being a reason why they don't really want to put it out there. But it, whose fault's that? You don't tell yeah. us this stuff. <laughs> you don't put it out there. We must hear from some of our correspondents. It's important that we do. Um, mm-hmm. We have to do very brief summaries ourselves, but uh, that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hear first from our Scrussel. Uh, he posted at canerince.com slash forum. He says, Dragon's Dogma is one of my favourite RPGs of the seventh generation. It's one of those games that makes you wish other games were more like it. Combat in RPGs can often be somewhat lacking, but not so here, thanks to the game being developed by the studio behind most of the Devil May Cry games. Combat is fast and slick, well-polished and very satisfying. While the tone of the gameplay isn't anywhere near as over the top as the DMC games, they still do a great job of nailing the kinesthetics. The feeling of your weapon coming into contact with an enemy is great. It definitely has the feel of coming from a studio that knows their combat mechanics. The class system is also a big highlight. There are so many different and distinct skills to choose from, and the ability to change classes and carry over specific skills made for a really interesting way to mix things up and experiment with unusual combinations. And on top of that, there's also the larger enemies and the climbing mechanics. Jumping on top of bosses and desperately wailing away at them as they flail and try to buck you off adds a sense of tactility to these creatures and emphasises the David and Goliath-esque nature of going up against these impressive foes. 
The pawn system is another part of the game that makes the game stand out. Having them able to access the same level of skill customization as the player character made for a really interesting party which was never quite the same twice. It was always fun to browse through the other players' pawns too, just to see what kind of character other people created, not for themselves, but their companion. I quite like the pawns' personality too. I suppose I can understand why the way they act and talk could wind someone up, but I always found it to be somewhat adorable. The lore of the game explains that they're not human, and so I always saw them as being like pets who are just eager to please. Their repeated lines ended up feeling like amusing catchphrases. Wolves hunt in packs. It hates fire etc. and a kind of reassurance that they always wanted to help. They were always so enthusiastic. The soundtrack too is something which really stood out to me. While it may have been cheesy and ridiculous, I always liked the J-Rock intro song that was sadly missing from the Dark Arisen version of the game. Yes. <laughs> but the in-game orchestral soundtrack has so many great pieces to it as well. Really impressive driving music for battles and characterful karma tracks for less action-packed sections of the game. I particularly like End of the Struggle, which plays when you start to get some of the larger enemies on the back foot. Some aspects of the game aren't so great, though, but still have positive elements about them. They tend to be examples of how the developers made the most out of what was probably quite limited resources. For one thing, although the combat is quite polished, the general game is not, particularly the graphics. The models of most things in the game are fairly low detail, and the texture resolution is pretty poor in most places. One place where this isn't the case, though, is with the larger boss monsters. These fights are some of the biggest highlights of the game, so it was a good choice to focus on them, especially since you climb all over them and get so close. The scales of the dragons and the hydras, the skin and muscles of the chimeras, and the plumage of the griffins all have an impressive and believable look to them. Another part of the graphics that doesn't often get focused on a lot, though, is the human characters. They don't fare so well. Faces look basic and are barely animated, and the texturing on armour patterns is sometimes quite poor. The wider environments too suffer from a lack of detail, but here I think the game gets away with it as the game is set in a coastal location. It makes sense for the land to be windswept and barren. This is even shown in the game too with the way trees and foliage are often dramatically blustered by winds coming in from the sea. It actually comes together to create a sense of windiness that I've not seen another game achieve. Talking of the environments, the overall world size is fairly small. There are only two towns and only around 15 or so major locations in the entirety of the game world. Elder Scrolls, this isn't. Yet, despite its size, it doesn't feel cramped or too small. It also means that every location is unique. You don't ever get the sense that you're going to an area that's exactly like a dozen others. Each place usually also has a unique purpose. Often there's an important quest focused around the place, or it can be a useful shortcut to somewhere else. It gives the land of Grancis a sense that it's an actual location that exists naturally instead of somewhere to put game content. So, even though Dragon's Dogma is far from a juggernaut of high production values and enormous budget, it ends up being a very well-accomplished game that has a distinct personality and does what it does right, very right. It even manages to make up for its shortcomings in clever ways too. Dragon's Dogma is a game I jump at the chance to recommend to anyone looking for an action RPG with great combat that does things a bit differently. Thanks, Scrussell. Uh, next up is Flabio, who says there's a whole lot of things from other games jammed together in Dragon's Dogma. Part Skyrim, part Shadow of the Colossus, part Final Fantasy, part Monster Hunter. It shouldn't work. But it does. The plot is pretty confused and suffers a little from some ropey translation, but it's really just there as an excuse to go monster hunting. It's very rough around the edges for sure, but that's part of its charm. There aren't too many games where you and a bunch of AI helpers are all hanging onto a giant wyvern trying to stab its eyes out while flying across the map. I can see where the Souls comparisons come from, but I don't think it has anywhere near the challenge of those games. 
Generally, if you're dying a lot in Dragon's Dogma, you've gone the wrong way. It isn't quite as open world as it wants to think it is, at least up until the credits anyway. The system where you lend your AI companion out to the other players is something I'm surprised hasn't been copied by other developers. The implementation here is surely just the tip of the iceberg for where such a system can go. Imagine something like this game's pawns paired with the nemesis system of Shadows of Mordor. Oh. Yeah, I really like that idea. <laughs> Training your AI pawn is perhaps a little too opaque, but I know from experience it's very hard to find the right balance between I don't know what my actions are doing to the pawn's behaviour and it's just a bunch of sliders that I can set to make it do exactly what I want when writing this kind of AI. I enjoyed Dragon's Dogma a lot. Dogma. Don't know why I said it like that. Dogma. <laughs> the Ma of the dog. And finally, we had an email in the middle of the night from the USA, so I feel I must share it. From Joe Clark, or possibly Clerk, as he's American, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Dragon's Dogma was my most anticipated game ever. It was my favourite game of 2012. Its expansion pack was my favourite game of the next year, and I have not enjoyed any game as much since. Dragon's Dogma was something more than your typical sword and sorcery RPG. I remember before this game was released, they were showing off the combat involving giant monsters, and it looked very impressive, like an action game. I love RPGs, but their combat can be boring and clunky. Dragon's Dogma has the air of an action game about it, while still retaining the depth of a role-playing game. I like games to be fun in the moment. I'm not a fan of grinding away, performing unenjoyable tasks because of a possible loot drop or story progression. That's the chief reason I like Dragon's Dogma, above other RPGs, and I am a huge RPG fan. Dragon's Dogma has the fun of a regular game, in inverted commas, but the progression and growth of an RPG. I also like the sense of nighttime danger that they attempted to add. In so many games, they go through the trouble of creating a day-night cycle, but it doesn't mean anything. I love that darkness means something here. Not every element of the game works perfectly, but I'm glad they were so ambitious. Day-night cycles, romance, item upgrades, mining, character creation, and much more. A smart developer probably would have cut several of those features and concentrated on making a more compact and polished game. I'm glad they didn't. It feels like the game I always wanted. I've played the game to completion multiple times, and when the expansion came out, I started a new character from scratch. I now have my character up to level 189. I would like to get to the level 200 cap before I retire the game. I've heard people call this game hard. I'm usually terrible at games, normally opting for easy or normal difficulty, but I did not find this game difficult at all. I think that probably gets back to the fun factor. I may have died a hundred times, but I never noticed because I was having so much fun. I didn't mind repeating content after dying because the game was fun to play. Uh, yes, so that was sent to podcast at canerince.com. Thanks, Joe, for getting in touch. Uh, it's all been very positive up until possibly this point. Uh, we have some three-word reviews from Twitter. Gentlemen, if you'd care to help out. Uh, Jimmy Panic says, never playing again. Uh, Andy Piddy says, hate stamina bar. Carnictus expected something else. We're not doing very well here, are we? Uh, Paul Fillery says, prevents souls withdrawal. My uh, brother in podcasting, Patrick Smith, says, strike the tail! Uh, Simon Cole says, hardcore porn action. <laughs> Brad Galloway thinks it should have been revolutionary. Ben Monroe says, needs a sequel. And Glenn Watts says plenty after credits. Definitely true. Yes. I mean, there are two entirely distinct credit sequences uh, that are both animated and, uh, you know, fully formed, but, um, but completely different. 
uh, it's a Swiss. We need to summarise this game uh, rapidly. Uh, we've gone very long because there's such a lot to say, but um, in in a paragraph, Jay. 192 hours as of this morning, 147 level, still playing. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And if you've got it, if you've got it as part of PS Plus, you've never tried it, endeavour. Perfect. Uh, me next. Yes. Um, the game this always reminded me of from the very first time I, I played it was uh, a 16-bit game, uh, Story of Thor, otherwise known as Beyond Oasis, mm-hmm. um, Team Ancient game from over 20 years ago. Um, and that's high praise from me. People will know, regular listeners, that I always like to liken things back to something that happened a long time ago. Well, Story of Thor is one of my favourite 16-bit games, and it, it too had, it married um, a sort of Zelda-like uh, top-down thing with Streets of Rage-style combat. So uh, it feels apposite here. And also it, it sold uh, a really um, fantastic world rather beautifully. So the fact that it made me think of that all the way through is good. Um, the fact that I felt so convinced by its world, um, I never got bored with its combat. I could definitely, you know, I could definitely carry on playing with a new game plus. Um, and yeah, I, I came away thinking that was excellent but i actually think it's slightly better than excellent and i i actually love it um and i it is one of those games where i am genuinely slightly baffled at why its average review score was sort of 75 percent odd because um i think it's just yeah just really a classy game that's enormously entertaining sean um so i adore dragon's dogma Mm. obviously um like the fact that it is um like an incredibly engaging action game with rpg elements like that is enough in and of itself the fact that um as you progress through the game like i say it sort of reveals um these other sort of levels that it's operating on sort of narratively and thematically um is yeah yeah, just sort of catapults it to another level for me um it's it's a game that you know like say starts out as this cookie cutter fancy rpg and ended up being a game that i just went away and thought a lot about um you know, Dark Souls comparisons obviously happen a lot. It's not quite up there with Dark Souls. I mean, Dark Souls, like, you know, three years later, I'll occasionally learn something and realise that it's possibly something that Dark Souls was referring to with, like, an item name or a hmm. uh, or a strange gesture that a character does or whatever. Like, you know, there are so many things in Dark Souls. There's not quite the same level of that in Dragon's Dogma, but, um, yeah, it just it, it operates on levels that it didn't really need to. Um, and the story is... It's a triumph of ideas over the actual execution of them, I think, um, in terms of the dialogue itself. Like the actual words the characters are saying aren't particularly engaging, mm. but it's just the ideas behind them. Um, I just, yeah, it's incredible. Love it. Let's close with CJ. Yeah, I do, for me, it's, it's just a, um, a game of color, of humor, of scares, of nuance. There's so much character, it's brimming with passion. Um, it's utterly bonkers in places. Um, it's, I've still got the pictures that I took in the game, uh, throughout it that I I can still look and I can see those moments, not from memory, but the actual visions of it. Um, honestly, it's a game that I'll never forget. And, uh, for me, it's firmly ensconced in my, my top five of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm. I smitten with it. There's so much to the game and it it brings out so much, so much passion in those that, that love it. And you can't ask more for a game than, than being able to evoke that, really. Yeah, well said. Well said indeed. So, uh, it's been epic, and you still have uh, 
this uh, tune to listen to. So it just remains for me. Leon Good Co- man. <laughs> Leon Cox. So I'll see how quickly Jay fades it out. To thank <laughs> Jay, <laughs> CJ and Sean. Uh, and to tell you that next time in issue 171, She Blows, He Licks, It Sucks, Silent Hill Homecoming. <laughs>